Well, I rise up every morning at a quarter to eight. Some woman who's my wife tells me not to be late. Whoa. I kiss the kids goodbye, I can't remember their names. Whoa. And week after week, it's always the same. And it's old boys, can't you code it? Whoop, and program it right. Nothing ever happens in this life of mine. I'm hauling up the date on the Xerox line. And it's coding the day to give the keyboard a punch. Then cross Coraline and a break for some lunch. Are you kidding me right now? Wednesday morning coming to you live from Halifax. I guess not live. I guess by the time you hear this, it'll be recorded. But all the way from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, on my second cup of coffee this morning. Feel fantastic today's episode is brought to you by none other than ProlineStadium.com, atlantic canada's home field for great sports betting play stadium bets for the best odds single game betting and an all-star lineup of the top sports and leagues from around the world proline players also score great access to great regular promotions right now you can earn a ten dollar free play token when you wager 25 dollars or more with proline or stadium bets this offer is valid on all your favorite sports and tokens can also be used on proline or stadium bets this offer is valid from october 17th to october 30th free play tokens must be used by october 31st aka halloween Get in the game today at ProLineStadium.com or download the ALC app. Must be 19 years of age. Please play responsibly. What's better, waking up Wednesday morning here in the High Button Sports Studio. I'm uh, your host, Justin Belanger. Like I said, second cup of coffee. Feel great. Uh, Speaking of feeling great, Phil Kessel, 990 consecutive NHL games. He also got 400 goals last night uh, for his NHL career. Health experts are waking up this morning they're scratching their head. They're saying, eat healthy, exercise, do the right things. I'm pretty sure Phil does none of that. His diet consists of hot dog and Coke. Someone told me that he rarely drinks water. So health experts within the the, the hockey community are definitely scratching their head trying to come up with a rebuttal. But shout out to Phil. That's incredible for what he's accomplished. Uh, today on the High Button Podcast, we have Jordan and Taylor Burke. Jordan and I grew up playing hockey together. Taylor went on to play in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He was a year, maybe two years younger than me. Played for Moncton, was actually the captain in Gatineau. Uh, Later on in their careers, uh, Jordan uh, started a hockey school, JB Hockey Development. Very successful hockey school uh, here in Atlantic Canada. Taylor recently opened up an athletic training program, uh, a gym, I guess you could call it, Burke's Performance Training. Uh, Both very successful in what they do. They also uh, are coaches. Taylor's a full-time firefighter. Uh, They also do some scouting for the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Just an all-around great uh, hockey family. Really excited to have them on. They've been on, I think, maybe two, three times as well. So they were back in in mom and dad's basement. So uh, old... uh, Old timers here when it comes to the podcast, vets of the game. So welcome back, Taylor Jordan. This is the High Button Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. Is the busy is the busy season over for you guys? Or you guys are just hockey full time? Like I know summer's a really busy time for you guys, but you know, I saw you at the rink the other day scouting. I saw you at the other day at the rink coaching. Like, is there an off season for you guys or is it just go, go, go? Um for me, it transitions. Like obviously, the summer months, the spring summer months is full board. You know, JV hockey. You know, I'm doing my development stuff multiple nights a week. But in the season, you know, it slows down a little bit in the sense I only work with my team. Yeah. But I work with a couple other programs as well. But I'm not doing the, 
you know, 30 hours a week on the ice. So it slows down a little bit. Life's busy now, you know, stone school last year. So, um, different busy, you know? Yeah. What about you? Well, for me, it's summer's my busiest time for sure. Um, you know, I'm up at 6am with my first group and I'm going till one, two o'clock in the afternoon every day. And then a little break and do some more stuff in the afternoons and nights. And then during the season, you got some kids doing in season stuff. And then, you know, I work at another gym movies, so doing some classes and stuff out of there and working with some other athletes. But most of the hockey guys leave, right? They go to their teams. They, they head away. They go down down to the States, yeah. up to wherever they are in the queue. So it slows down a bit for me, which is kind of nice. Mm. But then I get into some scouting and busy enough with everything else with life. And so. on top of that, you're putting out fires. Yeah, yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Been, it's been good, man. It's it was It was a good transition from sport to – a career you know it's still a, a team atmosphere a team environment so something that i i've really loved and enjoyed for the last five years yeah i think back in the day of like i don't know i think of tom duffy i think of you know guys that had these hockey schools growing up and now i think of you guys is that inaccurate not to put anything against tom duffy but i just think of the jordan burke the taylor burke brand coming up and it's it's it just seems like you guys are it right now in that lane to canada i know there's other schools but you guys are, are up there is that is that pretty accurate and do you take pride in that well, thanks for thinking that. Well, I do. I don't know. Yeah, just... thank, you know, thank first and foremost, thanks for thinking that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't look at it that way. I'm kind of just happy to go to the rink and, you know, ha- work with the athletes I work with. Yeah. Um, that's probably a good question for those athletes. They may see it that way. Um, the new generation of training is coming about, and I think we're two cogs in the wheel in Halifax here. Um, you know, there's different people who do their different things, but I think we're – I'd say we're on that path to kind of being that in the HRM region. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, I mean, and that's it. It's It needs a bit of a, a reform, I guess. It needs a bit of a of an update in terms of where the training is headed, where the on-ice stuff is headed. Like, I look at even what Jordan's doing, and even when I was playing, which isn't that long ago, right? That's only, you know, eight years ago minimum. Time flies. It's we had nothing like that. We were, you know, you were out, you were working out, and then you were going and doing conditioning style stuff on the ice. But it wasn't like pure skill development. Um, so it's nice to see that that transition is actually making its way to Halifax. Because you know, I would usually look to go away to train and and do some stuff like that in the summer. And when you would go to these other different cities, it was a completely different experience. Oh it wasn't, yeah, yeah. Like it's just you go to you go to a gym and they've got a gym and uh they've got turf and they've got a rink attached to it and they've got your physio clinics like it's all encompassing so it's your one-stop shop and then you go you come here and it's like you know you're going to a gym and then you've got to go uh, to dartmouth to somewhere else like you're you're just kind of all over the place with it so you Mm. don't really have like a a one-stop shop so well what an opportunity in the market then yeah wow yeah i didn't know that i thought i thought i just thought there was one-stop shops everywhere you went no, like I, I look at BMO and I know there's like a gym in the back and other places like that, but I didn't know there was no like opportunity for everyone. Yeah, to go and training. like there might be little things, um, I guess you could say, but there's no like premier I gotcha. facilities, right? Like, yeah. you know, it, I when I was in Ottawa, like you would look at like the Sensplex is what they had, so they had two gyms within there, and then they had a full turf and like one rank area, so they had a full full size turf um, and all that and then there was three ranks so you would just show up there and you'd get your training done there and you'd go get your physio done then you'd go on the ice like yeah. it was pretty 
was pretty good to see. So. It's it's interesting how like our business is kind of aligned. You guys are training these guys to make it to the NHL, and then we just interview them. You know, it's it's kind of funny how you guys are just building them up, and then I go, all right, you guys come on, you guys you guys worked hard, let's go. It. But it, it's it's kind of cool how this kind of this world. I don't know when we played, it wasn't you know of course Crosby and those boys, but now it's just you know every second week you're hearing of a new name in the queue. Didn't someone from the NCAA right now is ninth in scoring in NCAA Tier One Division Hockey? Like, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. He was, I mentioned him on the first podcast I think I did with you yeah. and dudes, um, Dave Gagnon. He was the first kid that I had really worked with and kind of helped, I guess, mentor, if you will, um, brought him to Taylor. And now he's just, yeah, he's flourishing right now. It's pretty cool to see. That must be, the, and you said to me the other day, uh, someone that went to Edmonton's camp is, was the second best in shape behind Nurse. Yeah. So I, I trained a guy, I actually played with him at SMU. Um, Alex Peters was his name. So. He came to me this summer, and we put in a great summer, and he went to fitness uh, Edmonton's camp and then the fitness testing, finished second in fitness testing. So they measure all these different aspects and then kind of compile the score. And so, yeah, he, oh, did, yeah. he did awesome, and it was nice to see kind of the fruits of his labor come to come to fruition. Are you guys going to implement hot dogs now that Phil has broken the record <laughs> oh. into your training? Every every day you, you get a hot to. dog. In. What a freak of nature. Yeah. Oh, no, my God. He's the one in the million, you know. <laughs> one he, in a million. He, he defies <laughs> logic and science, right? You know, drinking coke on the bench and stuff. That's just not, not feasible. <laughs> it's uh, crazy. Yeah, unbelievable. Nine hundred and ninety games. Some of the things you hear that they had to do to make it happen. Like last year, he had a kid, and they were playing in Toronto. He played like half a period. Yeah. Yes, that's so what it, it was. Yeah, crazy. But he's a guy that's probably. I mean, no, he's definitely worked out, but the the less wear and tear you have on the body, the longer you can play, the less injuries you have, right? That's so, a good point. That's yeah. fair. And yeah. I, li- I love how he's like a shy guy. Oh, yeah. Like whenever they walked into the, the rink with Sid in Pittsburgh, he would always wait for Sid to go first and just wait behind because he never wanted to be on camera. Yeah. I love that about him. Yeah. I know that's... Uh, Working in silence. Working in silence. I like that. Working in silence. Wake, uh, excuse me, when, uh, when the season... I guess starts up right now, whatever, you know, almost November and the training aspect goes away. And I saw on your social media, you're, you're showing highlights of the players that you got to train and mm-hmm. you're showing the, uh, the work paying off. Is that a, an enjoyable time of the year right now for you to, to see the, the work pay off? Yeah. Like it's funny, you know, I have my JB account on Instagram and you know, all the kids, all my JB fam, if you will, I always hashtag that. Um, they like to share clips to me i always tell them if you ever do anything that we've worked on you know please send it send it to me so we can showcase you know the work you put in because that's what it's about it's about them and seeing the fruits of their labor it's not about me or any of that so i always try to promote my kids on my platform the best i can and they're always sending me stuff like whether it's oh what could i've done here or here's what i did like so i love showcasing that it's awesome it's a really good feeling and you showed one random clip i think it was like a some kid did a delay but he did a delay perfectly and he hit the high guy yeah. and you posted it and i was like the average person wouldn't be like wow but the, uh, the 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 hockey fan that knows the game would be like yeah that's great timing and he delayed perfectly and he hit the guy coming in high like that's i don't know that, that's cool to me yeah I, I enjoy that, you know, and I try to document as much as I can during the summer to get whether it's photos or videos of every player so that if they ever do send me something, I've got a database on Justin Belanger and I can put, oh, yeah? a, put a clip. Yeah, I try to get as much as I can. So, you know, there's some recent posts. Uh, Grace Fleming, she plays U18 caps. It's major midget for females. She did like a little punch turn and left the four checker in the dust and made an outlet pass. Like something as simple as that, but we work on it all summer. 
it's nice to see that they send the clip and they're like, Hey, Oh, they send it. Yeah, you don't, yeah. Oh yeah. I find them, but yeah. you know, oftentimes I'll get players to send me stuff too. So, you know, I watch a lot of hockey, but I can't see every shift, every game yeah. of every one of my kids. It's yeah. impossible. So yeah. I watch a lot, but they do as well. They send the clips in. That's great. Yeah. And then at what point did you see his career and go, okay, wait a second, there should be another, maybe a fitness element involved in this. And, and when did you kind of maneuver your way through that career path? Yeah. For, for me, I started, I mean, I was, always like very interested in fitness and the, closer to the mic. I was always very interested in fitness and the biomechanics side of things even when I was playing you know I was always doing my own research doing my own research on training methods and stuff like that even and back when you were in the queue even you back were doing when that? I was in the queue oh, yeah. yeah um I switched my trainers when I was 17 to Alexi Pianozzi um and he honestly he was awesome he he really helped me out a lot of injury prevention stuff and just the way I moved the way I thought about training and once that happened I kind of I saw my game take off and I started, you know, getting healthier, playing for full seasons and, and not having these little nagging injuries throughout the season. Um, so once that happened, I kind of started to, I started to realize like the importance of it. Um, and then it was actually when I started at SMU, Jordan came to me and asked me if I wanted to train some of the kids that he was coaching. And I was like, yeah, I, I can do that. Cause at this point in time I was training myself, um, when I was at SMU and didn't a you have like a gym guys. at your house or something in yeah the so, yeah so <laughs> the way it started out was uh, I started training at the ultimate athlete factory um, it was a place on Mumford Road and it shut down and as it shut down that was my second year at SMU and I severed my Achilles so it was my right foot couldn't drive anywhere couldn't do anything and I was like what am I gonna do so I was actually just I was on Instagram and I saw a garage gym and I was like I wonder if I could do that. So I went out to the parents' garage. I measured the ceilings. I was like, all right, I think we could make this work. And bought a shed, put all their stuff in it. And uh, like I said, I was kind of on the IR. So I had Jordan, my dad, uh, Erica's old man, Larry. I had him helping me out and building stuff for me. And we, we ended up putting a little gym in there. And that's kind of how it all started and took off. So it's been, that would have been my 20-year-old season I started that or after oh, my 20-year-old yeah. season. So it's been eight years now that I've been doing it. What were the challenges starting that other than lifting the heavy weight into the garage? Like what were some, uh, like getting people, did they trust it right away? All right, let's go to Taylor's house and work out. Like what was the... I mean, it started pretty small scale in the sense that like Jordan, Jordan had some kids that he was training in high school and or coaching in high school and asked if they wanted to get into some training stuff. And then for me, that's, that's where it kind of took off. And, you know, I was training myself and a couple of the guys on the SMU team. Okay. So we were using like a mixture of my garage and the SMU gym. Um, so, and it just kind of took off. And I guess the biggest thing was space and like getting creative with, with the movements. Like you only had so much space and then that, uh, footprint, I guess. So it was trying to be able to utilize that space to its fullest capacity, really. Yeah. Which has honestly, as I've progressed through and, you know, gotten a bigger space and started working in different gyms and stuff, it's been like a blessing in disguise because you just start to think about things differently. And, wow, how can I how can I make this movement happen? How can I replicate this? How can I what equipment do I need like in a minimalist approach to be able to, you know, utilize the space and. I, I like a big open space so that you kind of got some free movement to get around in there. So mm -hmm. that was that was the biggest hurdle, but it was good. How do you guys find working with each other? Like do, growing up, did you guys fight as siblings? Like how, how do you find the business side of things working? Like me and my brother, I don't know if we could ever like work together. I love the guy, but we, how I'd, do you guys work together? I'd say we fought a lot when we were younger. And then like as we got older, 
then our relationship started growing more towards friends, right? Yeah. Like you're not, you, you get away from like the sibling type of thing. Like, I know, but like business ideas, like he could be like, I like this and you don't like this. Like, how do you guys compromise your, your ideas? I guess. Well, I mean, we're, we're separate entities, I okay. guess that work together. Like we're, we work, work together. We're cohesive with it, but like his business is his business. Mine is mine, but you just bounce off. Each yeah. Other. We bounce ideas off each other and work together that way. I'd say. You got an answer to that one? Yeah, I just I try to get as many kids as I can into them. So some of the bickering would be you can fit another group, man. Okay, like, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, you can fit four more kids. You know, you work twice a week. You know, I don't. <laughs> you know, so that that'd be where the it's a hard two any, days though. <laughs> yeah, anytime we uh, butt heads, it'd just be on that because I get kids asking all the time about stuff, and I don't know what he's got on the go, so I never want to you know volunteer his time, you know, or put his time forward if it can't actually work. So. That'd be the only time our businesses conflict. Yeah. And then getting out to the ice sessions and stuff like that. Like, cause I like I'll work a 24 hour shift and then I'd come home the next morning at eight o'clock and I'd train from like eight till one o'clock, eight till two o'clock, have a little break, have another like afternoon group at four thirty, and then be on the ice. And if I'm going on the ice with him, it's from, you know, six till 10 at night. So it just makes for a long 48 hour stretch. So getting up to some of those may, may be a little tough for me, but holy she tries to get me out. That's why you're not that good in beer league, eh? You're That's just tired. Right. Just, <laughs> just too tired. It is crazy, though, when you mix in beer league. With, are you guys playing anywhere this year? I play once a week. Yeah. That's it. BMO or Dartmouth? No, we got a little private skate going if you'd ever like to get out. I'd love to. Okay. I'm only out with Patty now, but oh, yeah. that's at noons. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with him. Just the private skate. Oh, is that basically just what it is? Just what time? Yeah, nine, if you don't have to say it here. Nine if you don't. at night. So where at Sackville? <laughs> oh, I think uh, yeah. Fuji was telling me about that the other day. Yeah, that's a tough skate though. I'm t- I'm, Any, it's anytime it's, you're on the ice with Wiggy, it's a yeah, tough skate. Yeah, it's good. I'm too busy to play in leagues, man. I'm on. Uh, you know, I practice twice a week. I practice twice a week with the Subarus, and uh, I work uh, a couple mornings, early mornings, with like the Dartmouth Major Bantam team, and I do Wednesday nights with the. Uh, the Metro Force female AAA Bantam program. Okay. So, you know, I'm just too busy at nights now to want to go play at 10 at night. So, yeah. I find when I was younger, I'd have so much free time. And now that I know this is, everyone's hit this on the head, but as soon as you have a little bit of free time, let's say it's Monday and you got a little bit of free time, by Friday, you're just jammed packed. Mm-hmm. Like things just fill up as you go. Like I just called you boys in here. I'm happy you're here. But things just like fill up so quickly as you get older, especially when you have a business that's, you know, moving. Yeah, or Which you like, or you start to settle down and get some downtime, and then you're like, ah, how can I fill this? And oh, you're, yeah. you're always thinking about kind of the next steps and the next moves, and you start to settle. Like, I mean, for you, renovating a house, and then you know it just builds and builds and builds. You got your business, your house, you're doing this, you're doing that, and then you get a little bit of free time, downtime, and then it's like, oh well, what's the next project? Yeah. What are we doing next? Yeah. So I was watching the Habs game last night, and I saw Kenzie on there. And oddly enough, just seeing Kenzie on TSN motivated me. I was like, I need to, why don't I have a podcast tomorrow? And then I messaged you. I was like, let's go. I don't know. It just, it, I don't know. Sitting down at this age isn't fun. It's fun just moving, grooving. Yeah. No? Got to stay active, yeah, yeah, man. I hear you. What's, uh, what's the season looking right now, looking like right now for the Steel Subaru U18 major so midget? If you looked at the standings right now, we're dead last. Oh, are you? Um, yeah, we're two and five. But Mark, you should have gave me a heads up on that. Yeah, I should. Yeah, don't Check ask that question. Hey? Check the game notes. <laughs> um, but you know, we are the, if not the youngest team in the league. Okay. We've got 
12 rookies. Um, you know, a lot of them are 07s. So the, the first year kids this year, I think we have nine of them. Um, and it just, it's an adjustment period, right? You know, some of them are undersized, so they're figuring out how to play in a stronger league, right? Because the Bantam League's not that physical. The the guys that are leveled are strong. They train, they play hard. You know, the details is what matters. So it's a it's a growing pain. You know, we've, we're two and five, but I think of those five losses, four one-goal games, and, you know, another one was we lost five kids to that uh, Q challenge because they were trying out for the Canada Games team. So you don't replace those guys in midget. You know, it's not like the pros. So, you know, we could probably have a better record, but we're working through it. A, we're a really exciting team and the fact that we're so young you know it, the sky's the limit if those guys adjust and they come along so I think we'll be a second half team that surprises some people and I think you know that's what we're kind of building towards it's awesome well as long as you have something to work towards that's what it's about yeah that Q Cup was fun did you end up going up there I didn't go I watched every game but I didn't go great time yeah. Man, the kids. Good. I don't know about you guys. How long ago did we play? Eight, ten years ago? Yeah, longer. They're better than us, guys. Yeah, they are. They're good. And they're physical. It's, it's, a lot of people are saying it's no. It's different hockey, I find, like watching. Explain. Yeah. Ex- like, I have my own explanation, but I'd like to hear your. Well, it's just gone to more of a skill-based game. And, like, it comes back to what they're doing in the summers and the skill development and stuff like that. So, it's a, it's a faster-paced game. Yes. But, um, you know, I don't know if. I don't know if some of the kids could hang with our in terms of like the physicality aspect of it. Like everyone was bigger. If you weren't six foot and over, you weren't really getting a look. Now there is room for those smaller players and those skilled guys, which is great. That's fair. I'll give you that. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, I remember my, when I was 16, my first year, like you're looking down and we're playing Cape Breton and they bring up, you know, Ash and Bernard who, man, I got chills just saying it. Like you're sitting there and you're 16 and it's like, you're looking up at this guy just towering up, and it's like I remember I was 16. It was warm up. He took a sh- he took a shot at me as I was just we were doing the egg beater, you know, shooting pucks around or shooting pucks, and puck comes rifling at the back of my legs, and I'm sitting there like, what the? What league is this? Is this it in the queue? Yeah, and then I'm sitting there, and I go around again. Another shot comes, and he was just he was just sitting at the blue line shooting pucks across the red line down at us, and then yeah, that's what. But that that was what the style was. The intimidation like, factor yeah, was there. And like we had guys like tough guys that wouldn't warm up they would literally just stretch at center ice facing straight down like looking at our end it was just it was it was a different different brand of hockey for sure and like that wasn't that long ago but they still had that now towards the end of my q career that stuff started to kind of tail off but when i was first there like it was tough there was there was fights every night now it's like you never know if you're gonna get one yeah i was at a moose game the other day wasn't like it was good hockey but I, I thought the physicality factor was a lot higher during that Q Cup. When there was scouts in the stands and there was more on the line, guys want to make something. I don't know. The physicality was there. When I was at that Moosehead game the other day, the physicality wasn't there. It's all speed and puck possession, yeah. right? So, you know, the guys are so skilled with the puck, they don't want to give it up. Yeah, but you got to move the puck. No, I know, but they don't want to dump to go get. They want to dump to possess. I see what you're so saying. So they, they don't want to go throw a hit. They want to keep the puck. That's no, but everyone works it, harder when a scout's in the stands, don't you know that? Oh well, that's why those games were unbelievable. Yeah. We were doing the Atlantic Challenge Cup over at the Four Pad in Moncton, and then I went over really quickly just to watch Nova Scotia, New Brunswick play at the in Dieppe. Mm-hmm. I thought I was watching a Q game with 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 cages. It was just, I mean, wa- I, watch the intensity of a Wednesday night game in Cole Harbor or Dartmouth or in Halifax. 
and then watch the intensity at the Monctonian or something like that, where they know there's yeah, scout, yeah, you know, everyone's there, everyone's watching. It, it does change it for sure. We were the same. I can't sit oh, here yeah. and point. Hundred percent, like, we were. You know, you see that Q jacket. That's you now. Yeah, it's you 100%. now. You guys got. You guys are setting that intimidation factor. Yeah. But you see those clipboards up in the stands and the pea coats. All right, let's go. Like, it's, it, it's it is what it is. And that's something like within a within a kid like that kid either has that compete level and has that you know they want to go out and they're just no matter who's watching they're they're turned on they're going they're 100 miles an hour and like those are the kids that are going to go further um and it's not something that you can really teach like that a player either has that or they don't now you can work towards it and try to push them towards it but at some point you're gonna reach the max like you're going to get the most out of that kid that you can and if they don't have that to push further or they don't have that in them then it's a, a little bit different right you guys can only teach and push so much yeah you and, know and you have to be wary of how much you push like you know like i've had with with my athletes too like in the gym you you kind of know the ones that you've been working with for a while you know their their limits you know what you can say to them to to light a fire under their ass you know what you could say to get them going and and doing stuff but some of them you know like you can't push too hard you gotta ease off a little bit or you know you gotta tell them hey let's take some weight down let's do this right mm -hmm. like there's lots of and that just comes with knowing your athletes knowing what they respond to knowing what is going to push them and actually be and make a positive impact versus a negative impact on them yeah do you think kids know what tough love is these days is that is is that an element of, of coaching? Because tough love got me through some things when it came to hockey. Yeah, can you still do that? I don't know. I you know, we often like as a staff discuss that. Like, how do you handle a relationship with a kid? How do you how do you coach them? Which kids can handle the tough love? You'll figure that out pretty quick. But I think athletes and kids nowadays, um, they look at the relationship a little different. You know, I think when we played, a lot of coaches were this authoritative figure. Um, you know, there was no personal connection between you and him. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know about you, but I can say this. I had some great coaches growing up, but none of them were role models. None of them were people who showed an interest in me outside of the rink. You know, whereas now the relationships, they go a little deeper. So that tough love is sometimes not as necessary as it once was because those kids respect you. I see what you're saying. And, and they'll want to work for you as long as you approach them the right way and tell them something that they need to work on or, you know, you could do this better. Um, you usually get a pretty good response. Um, something that happened in a recent game at the Picto Challenge, we got a great 07 player, Colt Chandler. He's an awesome player. Great name, Colt Chandler. Yeah, CC. Um, CC, even better. He was a, he's a hell of a player, but he let his guy go to the net, and his guy scored a goal. So he comes to the bench, and you know he's always used to being the superstar, right? I gave him a little shit for letting his guy go to the net, and he was you know a little bit pissy pants about it right he, was, he wasn't too fond of me kind of coming down on him some time passed you know about eight minutes in the game and then you know same thing come up to the kid i got my arms around I'm like all right buddy go make a play you know go make a play it's all behind us right let's work towards it he goes out he makes a beautiful assist on a power play like a seam pass for a backdoor tap in and i was just like see like we're all it's all it's nothing personal we're all in this together we're all trying to work towards the same thing and that's kind of the approach I take with players now is, you know, if you do get on them, you come back to them a little later on just to, you know, build them back up again. Yeah. And nothing's ever, you know, F you, none of this. Like, it's it's stern, but it's to the point. And, you know, as long as they respect you, they'll listen, even though they're not happy in the moment. 
that's one of my favorite examples of a similar story was Troy Ryan. I was junior A. We were playing in Charlottetown. Sunday afternoon game, 2 o'clock. You're into it, but you're not. And uh, we're going into the third period. I'm not playing that well. I'm going through the motion. Troy calls me out. He goes, why do you play hockey, Belanger? Like in front of everyone, you know, the Roskies. Like, you know, it's just it, it's a room that group of guys you respect calls me out in front of everyone. And it just lit a fire under my ass. I went out got an assist on the tying goal and then got an assist on the overtime winning goal. And it's just one of those moments that when someone calls out your character and calls out, you know, who you are as a person, I don't know. There's no better feeling than just proving that person wrong. And as a coach, you have to know that I think. And to this day that when I like yesterday, when I'm sitting here and we don't have a podcast scheduled for the week, I, I thought of that moment too. When I'm watching Kenzie, I thought of that moment of when Troy pushed me it's like there's no one here mark's not calling me saying why don't we have a podcast you got to push yourself Mm -hmm. and those moments to light a fire under your ass i think are successful in any aspect of life not just hockey but that comes down to the relationship that you had with troy right like he he might as a coach he could sit there and be like okay i can call out justin's character in front of the team knowing how he'll respond whereas that's fair you might you might call somebody else out and they can have a completely different response mm-hmm. and tank with it and not rise to the yeah. occasion, not, you know, respond the way that he intended. So it comes down to knowing your players, knowing your athletes and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, that's a good like, point. I mean, I had one of the, I'd say one of the more tough coaches and hard love coaches in the my Q career. And, uh, you know, I saw it countless times where some players would be able to rise to that and some players would falter out and, you know, yeah. it, it really it comes down to relationships. I remember when we I was working uh, landscaping. I was at Crosby Sells. I know you've heard this story. Maybe you heard this one. I don't know. I was working landscaping. Seventeen best day of the week because it's Thursday and you're mowing Crosby's lawn and Andy O'Brien's in his garage yelling at him, like top of his lungs, yelling at Crosby, just like you get put, put the fucking ways. I think he was squatting, just yelling at him like abuse, like yelling. And uh, I was amazed. I was like, that's the level it takes to get to where Crosby's at. Like, yeah, God-given ability, sure, he has some Sid, but there's some work ethic there that none of us are used to seeing. You couldn't put Andy on TV for that moment. It was incredible what uh, what he was going through in that workout. And that was another eye-opening experience. And the higher you go in hockey, the cooler things you get to see. Yeah, you know, the bigger names. Definitely. Like, uh, you know, some of the things you guys are seeing these days, I'm sure none of us really get to see. It must be cool, especially now, getting to see the work pay off. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's why you do it. I mean, you know, I don't know how many NHLers we'll have. We probably won't have many in our yeah, careers. Yeah, don't say that. You never know. You never but, know. But, um, just seeing the kids, there's more to hockey than just the NHL. And that's why I try to tell the kids, you know, like if you can get any education paid for, that's phenomenal. You know, if you play junior A hockey, that's phenomenal. You know, like hockey's gotten so much better that all the other levels, like as it trickles down, they, it's harder to make those things, right? So seeing the kids make a team or have some personal success to me that's what it's about so um it's not always about the nhl you know i'm more proud of the fact that i see these kids grow up year summer after summer year after year and seeing who they are as a person um i know that sounds a bit cliche but it's it's true i mean you know the kid we work with dave and some of the other kids like seeing where they were at 15 and seeing you know like the men they are now or you know, for me soon, like some of the future females will be like just as adults, like it's phenomenal. That's the coolest experience for me now. Yeah. Is it hard? To, do you think it's hard to get the, the, the kids out to the skates? Like, I, do you have to schedule skates and then they come? And then how, how does that aspect of it work when, when they're coming out? Um, 
Well, I have my set times. Set, so, and they pick and choose the times. No, I I have gr- I I invite groups. Okay. So I make sure I have my cohorts for you know I run four nights. So I start with the first year U18 players. That's always my youngest group, and then I usually have a U18 group, which is kind of second, third years, and then I have two junior groups. Well, this year I added females to my program, so. You know, I had to find more ice and, and do this. So I had a U18 female group. Um, I had another couple other groups on the go too. So I create those. I invite them. They sign up for it. So that's their time slot. Okay. Well, it keeps you busy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Four ice times in a row, you said? Yeah, I'll do Monday, Thursday nights, four straight. And then I had some other nights as well for like my female programs and stuff. That's awesome. I just remember back in the day, there was no on ice stuff. There was, but I just never did it. And it's great to have an option now that you can actually go out and do it and have a group of guys to go out with. Because back then, I don't know, you guys tell me, did you skate in the summer? And if you did, with who? No, I didn't. Did you? Uh, I did a little bit, but with who? I, with Alexi, um, we kind of like our training group that we had of all the Q guys around here, we kind of made our own skate. But when you were looking for ice, you were going out to noon hour skates, Patty being on the dark yeah. squad. and. Yeah, it was that. That's always what it was, but there wasn't. That's what, and that's what I mean with like the skill development side of things. Like there was no actual skill development, and you weren't going out and you weren't seeking a coach. To it was just like, well, I trained with Alexi. I'm gonna skate with Alexi. Guys that trained with JP, they skated with JP. So like everyone kind of did their own thing. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I took a lot of time off the ice in the summer. Just give the body a break, give the hips a break, and you know. Once I started getting into like pro camps and stuff like that, you would kind of take a break from the end of the season. You'd ramp it up end of June just to get ready for development camp. You'd go to development camp, skate like once a week after that kind of thing or twice a week. And then like nowadays kids are skating like six days a week and it seems seems like a lot. You can get a lot of burnout from it. Um, so it, it was just always about managing the reps and, yeah. and not overtraining and making sure your body was right what's your response to that to kids like skating a lot in the summer like what, what what's your alternative to when you're off the ice what should you be doing well you know they should be properly training right i think there's a lot of kids out there who are struggling with that like finding the right person to match their body type and what they need um but man it's hard like it's hard to tell kids not to go on the ice you know a lot of them do too much um, I only do twice a week. If you do my program, it's meant to be all encompassing. You only need the two skates a week. Kids will do other things because they want to work with other coaches and I can't fault them for doing that. So, um, they're, the kids are on a lot. I don't know. I don't know how you combat that. Um, unless people start merging programs together, but you know, I'm not combining with another coach, you know, so it's a tough thing. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm getting at. Like kids are, you know dipping their toes in a little bit of everything so it's like okay you're going out to two skates with jordan oh you got someone else who's running twice a week because twice a week is a good number and then they're doing one off here one off there and then the next thing you know they're on the ice five six times in the gym four or five times a week like that's a lot of volume in the course of one week and then you know you start seeing people with some overuse injuries whether it's wrists whether it's shoulders whether it's hips like hips are the worst especially for especially for hockey players like you're just down in that crouch position you're shortening your hip flexors and it's just you you need a little bit of a break and then there's a lot of rotation stuff with hockey that you know you need a little bit of a break from it um so i don't know how you combat that either but like jordan said it's finding the right person to work with and the right people to work with because 
it's you know you can't there's not one all-encompassing workout program or on ice program that's gonna make you the best like you i can't sit here hey no there's one there is yes (laughs) but like i can't sit here and run jordan and you through the same workouts like you guys you know there's lots of crossover that will be but you each need your own variations on certain movements and a movement might not work well for you but it might work great for jordan and vice versa right so it's just finding those those little differences but if you just have one program and you're rolling it out to however many athletes you work with that's especially when you're larger scale um you still need to be able to keep that you know the individual aspect to it right so sounds like a lot of work it is yeah and it's a lot of programming and a lot of thought processes like you'll sit there and you get athletes that come in and you do a little bit of a functional movement screening on them and you're like okay well this guy's hip extension pattern is not the best oh this guy's is great oh this guy's shoulder mobility is not the best this guy's is great so then you have to kind of work through the programs that way and you know a lot of the stuff that i do is i try to look at the individual athlete versus the group and then you try to group guys that have similar Mm. you know they're in similar age brackets but they've got similar movement patterns like i had one group and i could have two guys doing similar very very similar programs and the other two within that group doing completely different stuff so i just switch up the exercise for whatever works best for the athlete that's fun for the kids switching it, is, it up yeah. not the same thing every day well we definitely went through those same routine workouts oh, yeah. back in the day not going to name any names but no yeah and then you go there and you know exactly what you're doing and you know like it, i don't know you look at instagram too and you start to see you start to see all the flashy stuff that gets attention and it's like that's not the stuff that works like the foundational movements and the foundational training methods they're there for a reason because they're tried tried and tested right like they're they're proven to work they're proven to get results you can bring in a few different things and you know you've got to take everything with a grain of salt but that's that's a hard thing to maneuver because you have athletes coming in and they're saying hey did you see this on instagram hey did you see this and it's like yeah i i saw that and I, I see what you're saying, but that's not, this is why it doesn't work. Or this is why it's not a good idea. This is why it's a, yeah. an intention grabber, right? Yeah. It's clickbait. Yeah. So everyone, clickbait, yeah. everyone wants the views and they want to do something different, but like, you know, I gotcha. It's a, it's a fine line to, to run your program and bringing in new stuff. And I bet. Yeah. I want to know about the scouting side of things. Like how much fun is it? <laughs> scouting and, and being right i'm sure you can be wrong every now and then on someone but oh, yeah. scouting and, and and being right is that a tough thing to, to 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 do scouting's hard because the player pool it's so hard to make the quebec league so you know i may think you're a great player but there's someone just as good as you from a different region and you have to kind of you know find comb like do they fit your team style like it there's a lot of vetting that needs to go into that um it, it can be tough, man. Like, you you know, what's not talked about is you often miss more than you're right. I was going to say, okay. You know, like, it's so hard to make the Quebec League. You know, if you draft 15 players a year, like, a good year would be getting three of those kids to make your team at some point, right? So, there, you know, it's just a lot changes in that time frame of being 15 to 17, right? And the window closes. So, there's only so much time these picks need to work out for you. And it's just tough. You never know what's going to happen to a kid like away from the rink that may change their trajectory or 
they're doing the following year, like where they're playing, you know, sometimes kids will jump to a level too early and then it stunts their development or they, you know, they don't push themselves where they're at. You know, there's so many variables that go into it. So you just try to look at the skill, look at the work ethic, know them as a person. And, you know, you can, all you can do is put them forward and the rest is up to the kid. Same, same question. Yeah. For me, it's a little bit different because I'm doing the central scouting report. So mm -hmm. we're compiling a list and generating a list and grouping them based on their ability, not is this a, the right player for our team, right? And that's that's something I often have to separate when I do the scouting is like I'm sitting there looking at this player and I'm like, I probably wouldn't draft this player for my team. But his skill set, his ability and everything else says that he should be ranked around here. But I, there's issues that I see with the player, whether it's work ethic, whether it's, you know, body all, language, yeah, body language, character, all these different things. Oh, I know this kid off the ice. Like you have to be able to put that outside and not take that into consideration. You just have to look at the player as a whole, especially when you're in that role, like as, as a CSR scout, you know, you're not with an individual team vouching for a guy being like, I want this player on my team for this reason. You're just representing so, the queue. Yeah. And we're compiling a list to how many players know, are on the list? Oh, there's it's two fifty. Yeah. I think they're cutting it. They might cut it down a bit this year, but basically like we rank the players as like a prospects, which is rounds one and two B prospects, which is round three to five and then C, which is six to nine and then 10 to 12 is D prospects and then anything else after that is eligible. Whoever shows up for the draft. So yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so you rank these players according to that. And then once you get down to the end of the year and the nitty gritty stuff, you rank them as like a one, which is a first round a two, which is a second round and then B three, B four, B five. So you rank them in the rounds and then you put them in orders from player number one, your first overall pick until the last player of the fifth round. So that's and then from C to D they get ranked in alphabetical order. That's a lot of work too. It is. And that's, that's what crazy. And like I said, that's especially when you're looking at the first round picks, like you're sitting there and you're like, Okay, I don't like I don't like this player's body language. I don't like their you know, their work ethic. They give up on the puck too easy in this situation. So as a team, I don't know if I would want him as my foundational player, because if you're looking at a first round pick, you want them to be a player that's going to play for you for four or five years, right? Yeah. You want them to be a building block of your future. And, you know, like Jordan said, you, you're you often wrong more than you're right. But when you are right, it's a it's a good feeling, right? Who, who's so. who's the latest, like, oh, like the Drake Batherson, like plays Junior A, then next year's in the queue, then the next year's in the World Junior. Who was, like, the latest? Oh, didn't see that coming. Man, I mean, I think Morgan Barron's maybe one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, he played, you know, his third-year midget, and then he went to St. Andrews College and went and played, I think he was at Cornell, and now he's in, you know, professional, professional league. Yeah, Winnipeg. So those stories are few and far between, man. I think you'll see one of those maybe every 10 to 12 years, right? Now are some guys getting to, you know, university level? For sure. But, you know, the kind of unknown gem to go to to go to go pro, like it's it's getting harder to do that. I bet. Yeah. And that's why I like how you say it's like NHL isn't the end goal. It's like just to play pro hockey and have a life in hockey is pretty much the end goal. NHL, it's a bonus. Yeah. But, you know, you can make some good money overseas. You can, you can, you can have a nice career playing hockey somewhere. Big time. And not even that, like just back to what Jordan said about like the cliches of like it's about building better people. But it really is like you're 
I mean, you're sitting there and you're working with these kids for an hour and a half a day, basically five days a week. Like your, your goal is, yes, I want to get them better as a hockey player, as an athlete, as from a strength and conditioning standpoint to be able to translate to their sport, whatever it is. But it's also about building better people that are, you know, they're the people that are going to shape the future as well. So you want to be able to build that and kind of instill that and be, have it be enjoyable to go work with them. Like, you know, if you've got, if you've got a kid that comes in and, you know, they're not really into it, they're bringing the the group down, like based on attitude, based on work ethic, compete level. And, you know, they're not, they, they might not be the right fit for your program. So it is really about building better people for the future and, and better athletes. And the NHL isn't the end goal. I mean, I didn't make it to the NHL, but played five years in the Quebec league. I tried out for five NHL teams. I went to university, got my education through hockey, like, and now I'm a firefighter. Like it was a pretty successful career path and hockey it taught me so many things along the way to set me up for life mm. and, you know, to try to be a better person and, and make that, make that jump. So it's a great life. It's a great childhood. It you is. know, you're still a kid when you're 20. So it's yeah. a good life coming up when you're doing that route. hundred percent. No, that's uh, that's awesome. I think it just we, teaches you so many valuable life skills, like so work, many. work ethic, communication, teamwork, integrity, like all of these big like discipline. core values, discipline, core values, and character building things. Like it teaches you, instills all that in you from a young age. Because at the end of the day, if if you're a shipbird, you're gonna get pushed to the wayside. Teams don't want to deal with you. People don't want to deal with you. So. Mm. That's my take on it. No, people need to hear this. Hockey's not hockey's in an okay state of mind, but not the best in people's minds across the world. Hockey mm -hmm. players, at least. So people do need to hear this. That the majority of hockey players are good people and are trying to do good in the world. Yeah. Hopefully, the World Juniors happen, boys. Oh man, you guys get tickets? No, no. You didn't? No, I. Uh, I'm hoping to get you know a pass from being a hockey Canada skills yeah. coach so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm praying that comes in the mail someday you know just, you all right mark yeah, yeah i know I, I hear you i'm just praying that comes in i, I you know i'm you, headed away so where are you going to Pit the, boston boston yeah. pittsburgh yeah winter classic so erica and i are heading down there for i think we're leaving december 27th so won't be around for much of it so didn't bother getting tickets that was in the dressing room the other day and I'm a, I was talking to someone, and the guy said, uh, I think the best of the world juniors are behind us. And I was like, I hope you're wrong, but I think he's right. Like I, I hope that the world juniors that come here in Halifax are unbelievable. I hope there's memories made, but I don't know. The, the, the tone in the room was that the best of the world juniors are behind us. But we'll see. I hope mm -hmm. I'm wrong, yeah. especially in Halifax. You know, Do you guys have memories of 2000? Five? He was a little too young. Yeah, I do. I, I remember the two two train. You're the two two train. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, no, I I don't. I remember a bit like the what were the was what was it the Skoda helmets that we got? Mm -hmm. I remember like stuff like that, but I don't remember seeing the games or anything like that. So, yeah, it would have been would have been nice to remember, but just a little too young. Oh, they were great. Oh, well, we were how old were we? Grade seven, grade six. Mm -hmm. We were young, mm -hmm. but still good memories. Yeah. The two two train, two mm -hmm. two. Forgot about that. <laughs> the whole crowd's yelling two two, and the guy. I remember there was like a, a couple shifts where the people were going two two, and he wouldn't even look at the puck. He was just, just looking circles. He was just exactly, like the puck would pass him. 
He would just let it go, just looking for a hit. Like a great white looking for just his circling. next prey, man. He's just getting in the train tracks. Not like that anymore, eh? No. No. <laughs> What'd you say? It's puck pursuit hockey? They're just looking for the puck now? They don't puck want to dump it in? Yeah. Puck possession hockey? Yeah. That's funny. But no, hopefully, uh, I don't know, hopefully it happens. How much time are we at right now? <laughs> 40 minutes? All right, I got to switch the hat out. One sec here. Okay, there we that go. Looks good on you. Not Ta- as good, Taylor's not as happy. Good, not as yeah. good as the last one. That looks good <laughs> on you. Looks a little better. Um, so what's on uh, what's on the agenda from uh, I guess from now to Christmas in terms of you guys? I know you have the Monctonian coming up. I know you're busy with uh, fighting fires and, and the the gym aspect of everything. But what's on the agenda for for now till Christmas? Yeah, I got. Uh... Just like you said, working my working my fire job, um, doing some scouting the Monctonians coming up, and then uh, just doing some in season training stuff now, and then we got some things in the works, um, looking at opening up our uh, an athletic performance center. Um, so myself and two other business partners, Hannah Kovacs and Spencer Boyd. So oh, Spencer, I yeah, know I went yeah, to high school so with Spencer. We're looking at doing something like that. So there's there's some big things coming in the future. So that's exciting. Yeah, so should be good. What about you, Jordan? Man, I'm just trying to survive. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm finishing up my BED, so I'm in my last semester. Um, I'll finish next term with a placement, but then I'll graduate. So Monctonian as well, and just, you know, putting my head down, doing schoolwork, and working with the teams that I work with. Same old. Same just old, grinding through just, it. Just head down, put, put the work boots on. When you go to the Monctonian, what hat are you wearing? The, the coach or the scout or the, um, the business owner? Well, we talked last time, and I kind of just said, you know, I, I, I balance all three. Um, I always start with the coaching hat, but I think given the growth of my program, uh, my summer training program, it's impossible to put the JB hat away. It's so impossible. I go to the rink, I see kids who have trained with me or, or parents of kids who have trained with me, and I make sure they always come up and talk to me, but I always make sure I, you know, give them the time of day, and we and we talk, and we chat, and we just, you know, those relationships, right? And I'm just saying, how's everyone doing? How's so-and-so? Or I ask the kids, you know, like, how's your game going? Like, blah, blah. So, you know, if I go to a rink, there's often a swarm of JB athletes kind of just floating around. The JB fam is strong. So uh, I'll try to keep the coach hat as long as I can. But once the game's done, I'll put on all the other ones. That's a great feeling just going up. I know we have the same feeling when we go up to a rink. You feel welcome because yeah. you, you work with a lot of athletes. Same with parents. I like talking to parents and getting to know how they feel about everything. Yeah. It's just a great place to like understand the market that you're in. Yeah, you know? big time. Yeah, I'm always trying to find ways to promote my business and also make it better and expand. Like I'm not looking to get too big because I think you know you, you can burn out or you can you know you don't put as much focus into the kids if you have too many groups and stuff like that. So, you know, this year I, I expanded into the female side, um, kind of the U18 females. And that was an amazing experience. So like, I'm always looking at those angles on how to grow it, but also kind of keep it a little niche. Yeah. That's an interesting thing about your guys's business when it comes to growth. Cause you were even talking to about athletes and how you have set training programs for each athlete. But if you yeah. have, 500 athletes yeah Yeah. and that's what i mean you have you have a base program and then you make the little tweaks so like i have my general program for them so like most most athletes start you know kind of beginning of may we do a general prep phase and it's just about getting the body healthy getting the body right and moving properly right so for new athletes it's teaching them 
how to move for athletes that have been with me for a while it's making sure that their movement patterns are right that you know they don't have too many muscle imbalances because at the end of the season like you're pretty beat up you've got some nagging injuries so it's about getting healthy and getting yourself feeling good and then from there we move into a six-week block um six-week strength block and then a four-week power block and we've got some deloads and stuff in there and it's all about managing reps and making sure that you know they're not being overtrained. So by the time they come to training camp, they're peaking. They're hitting their max performance in the gym and on the ice. It's, you know, you don't want to push them. It's a fine balance. And that's, that's honestly, I've been doing it, like I said, for eight years now going on year nine. And it's a fine balance to get them into like a bit of an overreaching phase where they're almost to the point of like overtraining. And then you take it back a bit and give them a break. And then when they come back, like you see their numbers just exponentially grow so it's a fine balance of figuring all that out and yeah working with the right people must be key too to to the growth side of things like i know you're on the ice and then rickman's on the ice as well but like having the right people on the ice must be uh not tricky but just making sure everyone's on the same page Mm because yeah if you're having these people train these other athletes you got to make sure you're all thinking the same you have to have like 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 like-minded individuals Yeah. yeah and people that share like especially for my side of things like people that share similar philosophies and training methodologies and stuff like that. If you were going to work with someone, Mm. you know, like right now it's just me. I keep it relatively small, kind of able to pick my athletes a little bit um, and create the groups based on what I think is going to be the best fit for them. But it's about keeping the, the level high, like everyone that comes in, like my favorite, my favorite days for training are track days. Why is that? Just because they all want to win which is what I love. Cause that was me. Like I hated losing. I mean, you can ask Jordan even now in pickup. I like, even if it's, yeah, you do not, hate losing. I hate losing. Like it is literally, I will do anything I can to win, whether it's something like, you know, racing to get to the door first, whether like anything, <laughs> I just, I, I love to win and I hate losing. So it's nice to be able to see that in them, in them. And you really see it come out in the track days. Cause we try to make it fun. Like we work on, you know, when we get out there, we work on the movement patterns and getting into proper lean angles and stuff like that and developing the right movement patterns, muscle patterns and stuff like that so that it's transferable. And then we're, you know, basically minimizing any of the energy leaks and mechanical leaks within their movement patterns. But then you start getting into like the end of the workout and we start doing some races and some stuff like that. And then you just see like the camaraderie, all the chirping coming out when someone's winning a race or someone's constantly losing and you just see them start to get angry. And it's like, I love that stuff. Yeah. Cause that, that's what we were like growing up. Like, you know, whether it was, I mean, my group, I was training with Ryan Penny and like Penny and I just went toe to toe every time. And it was like, who wants to win? And then you start to see like the little things like, everyone's trying to cheat a bit right because if you ain't cheating you ain't trying (laughs) so like everyone's trying to like if the line is here that you got to get your foot on you're trying to just hit it with your pinky toe and get out as quick (laughs) as you can so it's fun to see that and then everyone's watching you you got hundreds of referees sitting there being like oh he missed it he missed it (laughs) so that's what i love to see too i love that mentality just trying to get a little bit better trying to get a little bit better and get a little bit of an edge any way you can Oh, I love that yeah, stuff. It's awesome. So, and then even in the gym too, like, you know, I did some things this summer, like, 
like I manage their weights and their reps and stuff like that. And I keep track of it pretty religiously. And, uh, I have some, like some tools that basically tell me how fast they're moving the barbell or whatever they're moving, how quickly they're moving it. So I can kind of sit there and be like, okay, you're moving it way too fast. Let's add some weight. You're moving it way too slow. Let's take some weight off. So I can kind of manage it that way. So you get out of like the ego lifting a little bit. I gotcha. Um, but it's funny to sit there and like you see one kid who loads the bar up a lot and then someone's over there and they're significantly lighter and you just see like the smirk and the side eyes going like, that's all you got. And it's like, <laughs> that's, that, that's fun to see too. Do so. you, is the beep test still a thing? Not really. Can you do Some... that on the ice? No. No. It's only running. They do like... Uh... I don't even know what it's called. Like It's like almost like a mountain, essentially. So on the ice, a lot of the testing that they do will be like, you've got to go like blue back, red back, blue back, far end and back. And you've got to get it under a certain amount of time. And then you get a set amount of break and you repeat it. So they see like your ability to maintain a certain speed, what your drop offs like. They do stuff like that on the ice. I don't even, I don't know exactly what the testing is called on the ice or what they're calling it these days, but... And then beep tests, like, it's kind of a fleeting. It's not it, there anymore. It was just a super simple way to measure cardio. cardio, but how transferable is it? Like, that we switched, when I was at SMU, we switched from the beep test to the yo-yo test, which is like a sprint test. You get set recovery, and you see how far you can go. So, like, you're actually sprinting. It's not like, like, the first five levels of the beep test are... A light, pretty easy light jog yeah. for most of the athletes right and then it starts to get up but they're they're taking stuff like that out they're doing wing gate tests wattage tests um vo2 max tests and stuff like that so the beep test really isn't there there's some places that still probably do it but not as much anymore yeah beep test sucks yeah it's terrible <laughs> it's, it's not fun well it's just like no matter what you're you're not going to pass it. Like, you're not going to finish yeah, it. You're not setting say. the world record. Yeah, you're not going to finish it. So it's just like, and you're running the same path over and over and over, just back and forth. And yeah. you're like, when is this going to end? And you start getting up there to like level yeah. 10 and a half plus, and you're going and you're trying to push. Like, and usually everyone knows what they can kind of get to the range. So you're trying to push for that. And I mean, you know how it is. Sometimes you go out and you run, run a test or yeah, your, it's a weird cardio, your cardio is not there that day. And you're like, I know I can get to, you know, 12 and a half, 13, but today I'm feeling it at 10 and a half. What yeah, am I yeah, going to do? Yeah. I still got two levels to get to. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a little bit a little bit of a fleeting test. But What's one element of on ice? Like back in the day when we did drills, what's one element of a drill that has been eliminated from hockey practices? Like remember like the Swedish All flow drill? Yeah. Like what, what's like one drill that's just like that was irrelevant? Remember the, the hitting along the boards? Everyone line up and make it through the, gauntlet. Gauntlet. the yeah, gauntlet. The gauntlet. Like, or the, do they uh, still do the Canada Cup? I was we, just about to say Canada Cup. Canada Cup. That's not like, a, the, like the triple like the triple re- in your own end. Or they had the one where like you would there was a group in the corner, and one guy would come down and shoot. And the group in the corner would step out. The player would swing to the corner. You'd make the pass. A guy would swing from center. And, like, there was just all these different swings going on. And Multiple swings. Yeah. yeah that's, that's probably that's an gone. old school one. That's yeah. gone. It was gone. just like a flow drill that everyone did. Yeah. But. yeah. Not much, though. I mean, you know, I still pull from drills I did when I played midget, you know, because that drill was a good drill for what I was trying to teach in soups practice yesterday. You know, there's moments like that. So not everything we did back in the day is is gone, but 
you know, there are still some good drills and good concepts that work. You maybe make a tweak and yeah. I remember when we went out with dudes and we mic'd him up for one of your practices. Oh, some great. of the drills that you were implementing, I'd never heard of before. It was, my mind was blown. Yeah, well, that's the skill side, right? Like, but versus a team side. So skill, like, this just changed. Even from when dudes has been there, like, my program's changed tenfold. Like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. There's That was yeah. only, like, two years ago. I know. But, man, you got you to gotta evolve. You got to keep moving and progressing and getting better as a coach, right? It's one thing I always try to think of when I'm on the ice. And I always ask Ricks this. But I'm like, how was that session? Like, I'm always trying to improve. And I'm always trying to find new ways to convey a message so that the athlete can retain it, execute it, and remember it moving forward. Do you or do do you ever uh, create drills by watching the NHL? Yep. Do you? Like yeah. You watch Caulfield and go, "Wow, okay, how do yeah. like?" Is there anything like that? All the time. I mean, even like Taylor mentioned, like the clickbaity stuff. Like a lot of it doesn't work, but there's also a lot of people who cut clips of nhlers and just post them and i see those often through like instagram and stuff and i see that i'm like how can i implement that you know whether it's a simple thing like opening the blade on a shot you know like how do i put that and teach that and do a drill like you know we could do a skating drill but when they shoot well maybe that's like the added skill like i'm always adding small stuff to it and you try to get the kids to see that and make sure they work on those finer details but i'm always evolving my stuff Always. Now, with you, so like when you coach your team, yeah, do you do like individual skill stuff within the practice? Yeah. So, because I would say that's something that is probably changing. Whereas, like that is getting implemented more. And Jordan can speak more to this. But when I was playing, it was like you went out, you did like your power plays and PKs first on a lot of days, so the ice was fresh. And then you get into some flow drills and then you get into battle drills and stuff like that. And then you were off the ice yeah. and we didn't really do individual skill stuff. It was more like in season, you mean in season. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Like for like your typical like yeah. team practice, it was more so you did your battle drills, you did your flow drills to touch the puck and you did your team systems. Yeah. Like it was a lot of team system stuff. It was never really like, here's the drill for individual stuff. This is what I want you to work on. So I guess that's my question for you. Like how do you yeah. guys implement that more? Yeah, I mean, our team's in a unique situation because of who I am as a skills coach. So I, you know, not every team has someone who can who can do that. So we do have nights where it'll be a pure skills practice. Like we'll bring out a goalie coach. Chase Marshan's our goalie coach. Um, he'll take the goalies, and I'll work with the guys. And then when we do shots and stuff, you know, we get the goalies in. But so we do do those. Like we do have skill nights, but also. I've talked to Marty and some of our other coaching staffs about, you know, implementing skill into flow drills, you know, like it's hard to implement a skill into a two-on-one, you know, cause that's yeah, like, a, that's like a game kind of mechanic. You hope their skill works out. But if we ever do flow drills, like I'll get them to start without a puck where they go and they do a deceptive move, whether it's a head fake, stick wave, puck pickup or something. And then the flow drill starts. So I've kind of evolved that from just purely skill and just purely flow and try to find ways to merge them. And I do that in my summer program too, like as a warm up. you know, if we're, you mentioned the Swedish five pass, you know, like, well, maybe now you go without a puck and you pick it up first, you know, puck pickups are a huge skill. Like not every kid can do that. Right. And then now you start adding the feet, the hands, the eyes and the head, you know, throwing off little deceptive moves. Like that's a small thing I've started to incorporate into standard flow drills mm. is the skill aspect. So I try to do it as much as I can. And we don't do it every practice, but I'd say once every three or four, we come back to those kind of principles. Well, and, and, and that's, that's a nice thing to hear as like a former player. Cause like you sit there and like, I remember in practice, like even in the Quebec league, like you're sitting there as a player, like, 
what have I been struggling with lately? What has been my weak point in my game? Okay, how can I implement that into the practice within what we're doing? So like you're sitting there, like you said, puck pickups, like let's say it's a puck pickup on the wall. So, you know, you would do a drill and I would, I was a centerman, but I would swap out with the wingers and be like, take the middle. I want to work on this. So yeah. I would have to implement that myself versus the coach no. doing that. Right. So. so teams must get excited when you come to their practice. Cause then you go to like the like Truro junior a, like you'll go to other teams and yeah. just have a skilled implement practice. That must be fun for the, the players. Yeah. It's just a unique thing that they, you know, change of scenery or a change of a voice and change of what yeah. you're doing, change of routine, you know? So it, uh, it, it's often pretty well received so i have a lot of fun doing it you know yeah i've done the Truro junior a team um i work for them i'm their head scout but they always ask me to come out and run sessions you know when coaches are tied up or when they just need a break and you know i go work with the dartmouth uh, u15 team you know and i do the skills in the morning but tony one day said can you run a practice for me like i want them to have a practice so you know it wasn't like a pure skills like you know we changed it so i, I work with the teams to kind of help out areas where they think they need work on and then i do my own jb stuff as well so you know it's a nice balance yeah that's nice i i remember being sick and tired of practices by december and June. or like you're sitting there doing the same, same thing practice and like you know okay monday i'm doing this tuesday i'm doing this wednesday i'm doing this thursday i'm doing this let's just get the morning skate and play friday night yeah like that that and that's the like when that drags on that's when like some of the fun get sucked out of it a bit right and i remember there was times where i would struggle with like a random thing would be like you know i remember there was one point where i was really hesitant of getting the puck over the blue line and i'd always put someone offside and it was just a random thing that would last for like a couple weeks and then i'd be fine with it but for that one you know two weeks i'd love to take time out of the practice to be able to work on my stick handling to have confidence when the defenseman's pressuring you at the blue line mm -hmm. but we never did because we're just doing a fucking flow drill you know there, there was, and there's drills. just so many things that i wish oh, i wish i could have taken that you know extra week just to kind of work on something to practice my stick handling to gain a little bit more confidence same with in junior a there wasn't after like all right, boys, practice is over. It's off. When I was at these Q practices with Crothers and Woodworth, the, the the coach blew the whistle with 20 minutes left on the ice session, and the boys are just out there working on their skills. Like yeah. I wish that was one thing I got to experience. I never did, but... I think you hit the nail on the head is confidence. Yes. Like, you just, I had confidence, but I'd lose it every now and then. But that's just it, and that that comes from a coach recognizing this player is lacking a bit of confidence. How can I build this player up versus like you said, that old school tough love mentality of like, I'm just going to tear this player down and keep going and going yeah. at him until it, he figures it out. Right. Yeah. And it's like, confidence is huge. When you play with confidence, it's, it's crazy. Like it, you we're just, just, what's the word I'm looking for when Troy, you know, called me out in the room. I went out on the ice with, no, I was pissed off. I, I went out with, I don't even know what the word is. I just, I, I went out with in a mentality of, I got to prove this guy wrong. Yeah. And oddly enough, that gave me a skill set, not gave me a skill set, but gave me confidence to have, you know, that ability to make a move at a blue line. Yeah. You know, it, I, I can't really put a word to it, but I don't know. Hockey's yeah. a weird game. Yeah. On the ice, I tell the kids, we practice for confidence sake. I said, we practice, we don't practice something until we get it right. You practice it till you can't get it wrong. So the way I do my stuff is, you know, a lot of similar skills or sequences and drills and stuff like that. I always change up the timing of things and the area of the ice they do it. But it's just repetition, repetition, repetition yeah. so that they feel confident to do it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Boys, we got to wrap this up here. Last word uh, from both of you. Something you want to promote? Something you want to give out to the to the universe? Floor is yours. Go for it. You go first. Um, something I like didn't realize I was passionate about was, and I kind of mentioned it earlier in the in the our podcast was the fact that we need better role models out there. Um, it stemmed from a conversation I had with Taylor, and we were talking about kids training and. A lot of people do this with good intentions, but they miss the point of actually building a connection and, and interest in the individual, the athlete. So I think, you know, I challenge coaches moving forward or people in mentorship roles to take pride in being a mentor and being a good role model. I didn't have one growing up. You know, Joe Sackick was my idol. You know, I didn't know Joe Sackick. I'm not calling Joe Sackick. But the fact that kids can reach out to me and ask me a question about hockey is amazing. And I didn't have that when I was growing up. And I think the the world we're in right now, like there needs to be a little bit more of that. So my thing is, is, you know, coaches out there take pride in, you know, being a mentor and a role model for these kids and emulate the behavior that you want your kids to take moving forward. I think that's a huge message and it's something I didn't know I was passionate about, but being in the BED program, I realize I'm going to be that as an educator as well. So that's my message to the general public of coaches out there is do it for the individual and embrace that. Don't do it for yourself. Well said. Yeah, thank I you. I like that. Oh, and uh, I have to shout out Ricks. Okay, Ricks. <laughs> Ricks was upset he wasn't here today, but he was on the Twitter. He's, a, he, he's on the Twitter post. He's in the photo, so he's good. But he just didn't make the cut. He just didn't make the cut. Next Ricks. time, Rickman, you'll Sorry. be here, buddy. We'll get a fourth chair for you. Sorry, yeah. buddy. But uh, you know, shout out to all JB fan members. You know, the female side, the boy side, and um, you know, all the daps and high fives and stuff to all the kids out there who are uh, who are gonna listen because they're gonna come by and. Um, downloads up on this episode yeah happy to work with them and happy to be a mentor like it taylor yeah i would just piggyback off what jordan said like and it goes back to building relationships like how many coaches and i mean i'm in a bit of a different role where like mine is separate from the team and so is jordan's but like how many coaches reach out to their athletes during the year like i talk to my athletes that i train all summer you know every week every couple weeks i'm like How's things going? How's the body feeling? How are you holding up? How are games going? How are how's your living situation going? Like, I genuinely care about them as people, not just you know they're an athlete coming to me, paying me for what I do, right? And so just being able to build those relationships and and have that and be a good role model and build better people for the future, um, that's kind of one thing that I've learned from it. And you know, especially with my job as a firefighter, like you know you're in you're working for the public and providing community service and mm-hmm. you're there to help people and that's a, exactly what I'm here to do as a strength coach as a coach like you're here to help these people be better people be better athletes and and reach their goals and their dreams whatever it may be it may not be the NHL it may be getting a full ride to you know a university program it may be getting their education paid for it may be you know something else it might be to become a doctor to become a whatever they want to do in their line of work so just being able to support them in that and you know be a good role model for them in that and you know same thing for you like i said just thank you to everyone that's been supporting me for the last however many years you know i'm like i said i'm doing it out of my out of my house and doing it out of my space and i tried to make it as you know when you walked into it you it feels like a like a commercial space and like you're you know I put the effort in to make it look that way to get the top of the line equipment and, you know, for, for the athletes coming in and putting their, 
their trust in me as as a strength coach and as as a person it's it means the world to me so thanks to all the all the players that I had this year and and in the past and hopefully in the in the future as well awesome hockey uh, hockey's in good hands here boys you guys are you guys you guys are you guys so. are setting the, the forefront here i appreciate you coming on yeah thanks for having always us, we always do it. we always do this once a year we, we get a feel for you guys and yeah. <laughs> then we go out and uh, we do what we do that's it yeah thanks awesome. for having us we all right appreciate it. everyone listening uh enjoy the rest of the day that's all we got peace Goodbye, I can't remember their names wow. And week after week, it's always the same And it's old boys, can't you code it? Whoop, and program it right Nothing ever happens in this life of mine I'm howling up the date on the Xerox line And it's coding the day to give the keyboard a punch Then cross Coraline and a break for some lunch Correlate, tabulate, process and screen Program, print out, regress to the mean And it's old boys, can't you code it? Program it right Nothing ever happens in this life of mine I'm hauling up the data on the Xerox line Yeah, then it's home again Eat again, watch some TV Make love to my woman at 10.53 I dream the same dream when I'm sleeping at night I'm soaring over hills like an eagle in flight And it's home, boys, can't you code it? Program it right Nothing ever happens in this life of mine I'm hauling up the data on the Xerox line Someday I'm gonna give up all the buttons and things I'll punch that time clock till it can't ring Burn up my necktie and set myself free Cause no one's gonna fold, bend, or mutilate me And it's old boys, can't you code it? Program it right Nothing ever happens in this life of mine I'm howling up the data on the Xerox line And it's old boys, can't you code it? And program it right Nothing ever happens in this life of mine I'm howling up the data on the Xerox Thank you very much. Okay. Right. Is, is the tape rolling, Steve? Yes, sir. <laughs>